0: part two chapter twenty of ancestors a novel by gertrude atherton this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by lynn thompson chapter twenty it was characteristic of mrs paula that she was not in the least jealous of isabel's beauty she was quite positive that no man would hesitate between her own exuberant prettiness and a face and form that looked as if it had stepped down from a dingy old canvas it was true that stone admired isabel with reservations to his wife and had openly avowed his intention to paint her when he emerged from the tyranny of the pot-boiler he had hoped that isabel would take the graceful hint and order a portrait but isabel had succumbed to the pleadings of too many students of indifferent talent and had no intention of undergoing the ordeal of sittings again to any but a master to-night as the party of four entered the poodle dog the socially successful offspring of the still enterprising and disreputable parent on the dark slope above paula deliberately outstripped her companions and appropriated the seat at the corner table reserved for them that faced the room isabel was only too delighted to turn her back upon the staring people for it had occurred to her to-night for the first time to be uneasily ashamed of her adopted relative she had gone about with her several times since her return from europe and absently disapproved of a somewhat eccentric tendency in dress but to all sorts of odd costuming she had grown accustomed during her experience in art circles abroad this evening, as she stood in her living room with Gwynne and watched Paula sail down the broad staircase, she had a sudden vision of the shanty at the northern base of Russian Hill, where Mrs. Belmont had found her little Mexican seamstress, deserted by her American husband, wailing over the child she was about to leave. This story had always inspired Isabel with the profoundest pity, tempering her frequent impatience and disgust towards the family alien, but to-night she wished for a few moments that her mother had sent paula to a foundling asylum she glanced uneasily at gwynne and fancied she could hear him slam the lid of his breeding upon a supercilious sputter. mrs paula's skirt and the jacket on her arm were a respectable brown but there was something in the screaming red blouse the immense cheap red hat the blazing cheeks the pinched waist between swelling bust and hips, the already lifted skirt. Paula always wore a train that she might at the same time achieve longer lines and more subtle opportunities, exhibiting the pointed bronze slipper with a large red bow and much openwork above, that suggested, if not the French cocotte, at least that San Francisco variety known in local parlance as South of Market Street Chippy, she did not bear the remotest likeness to a lady she looked common fast isabel wondered that she had never faced the truth before it was as if a wave of final criticism heaved from the brain of the man whose life had been passed in the best societies of the world across to hers but gwynne was imperturbable and polite and as they rode downtown in the bright cars paula thought him fearfully nice and was quite sure that he admired her we are fearfully late she remarked complacently as she seated herself and looked slowly around the big room with its ornate frescoes and heavy chandeliers its crowded tables and strange assortment of types but it is much nicer to see them all at once i mean she added untruthfully gwynne whose seat also commanded a view of the room looked about him with much interest he had a vague association of impropriety with the name of the restaurant but he saw only a few painted females and queer-looking men the majority looked as if they belonged to the higher walks of bohemia and quite a fourth were indubitably fashionable but his more vivid impression was that they all looked gay and carefree, and that their personalities were not wholly obscured by clothes after lunching or dining at one of the great new york restaurants he had carried away the impression of a tremendously fashionable school in uniform the women distinguished in appearance beyond those of any other american city but utterly unindividual the social bodies of the united states had interested him little but to-night he glanced about with something of the curiosity of a columbus discovering the land of his fathers no doubt his otis great-grandfather had been intimate with the great-grandfathers of more than one man present in his remote bit of civilization he almost felt as if he were sitting down with a company of relatives, at least to a gathering of the clans. He had rarely seen so many handsome women together, nor such a variety of types. Paula, who knew everyone by sight, and assiduously read the society papers, volunteered much information while Isabel ordered the dinner. Stone had been detained halfway down the room by a party of friends. That is Mrs. Marston, she whispered, with a respectful accent on the name, and in the significant tone she always employed when addressing a person of social importance. The youngish tall woman, with white hair and a distinguished profile. She is one of the old set, the one Mrs. Belmont belonged to, and fearfully haughty. Some people call her a beauty, but how can a woman be a beauty with white hair? Lots get it here and lose their complexions before they are twenty-five. It is the wind and nerves and too many good times I wonder I have not gone off too but I take a nap every day no matter what happens just beyond is mrs. Trenahan she never did have any beauty with that sallow skin and no feature except her eyes but her husband who was a great swell in New York and often takes her there is quite devoted to her and they have a house on Nob Hill and another in Menlo Park she is so exclusive that it is a wonder she ever condescends to dine in a restaurant but mr trennahan is a fearfully high liver and this kitchen is famous mrs trennahan's mother mrs yorba who led society in the eighties had only ninety people on her visiting list and they say that her parties were the dullest ever given in san francisco of course that was before i was born the glory of that prehistoric crowd has departed in spite of the fact that a few of them not many have kept their fortunes and they are nothing to the new ones the irish and germans are on top now and are just ruling things people whose names our mothers never heard although they will make in their piles without saying much they have come forward in the last five or six years with a rush all the old leaders are dead and their children don't seem to care much just stand aside and put on airs one of the new leaders has a brogue and as for mrs hoffer Take a good look at her. Paula indicated a tall, superbly proportioned young woman in a simple Parisian black gown and an immense black hat with a cascade of white feathers rolling over the brim. She had a round, laughing face and an air of indescribable buoyancy. She was born and brought up south of Market Street, in the respectable part, but a dead giveaway in her generation. She's only twenty-six. I forget what her old peasant grandfather started life as a peddler probably but afterwards he had a dry goods store or shoes or something and he bought real estate and his son improved it so now they are rich she was educated at the public schools went to the university for a year had two more in Europe and came back with what they call presence and style but is just cheap dressed up she hadn't much show socially but she didn't lose any time in capturing nicholas Hoffer, the son of a german emigrant who made money in the commission business which his sons have turned into millions all the men like him and as he was a great catch of course he went everywhere and when he married they had to accept his wife she did the rest and no one can deny that she is smart in our sense and yours she is a leader already and has a perfectly wonderful house that all the old aristocrats fall over themselves to get invited to i'd like to go there myself but of course i'm nobody hofer poses as a reformer but i guess this old town's too much for him nicholas hofer asked gwynne with interest i fancy that is the man my mother met at homburg and asked me to call on oh exclaimed mrs paula with a toss of her head if you are going in for fine society you will soon have no use for us gwynne being unaccustomed to crudities of this sort applied himself to his oysters while isabel made a fierce resolution that she would find another chaperone or remain in the country she was disagreeably conscious of craning necks and although she knew that she was beginning to excite interest in san francisco and was looking her best in a white cloth frock and large white hat she made no doubt that her juxtaposition to the exotic Paula was the theme of more than one unpleasant comment while she liked bohemia and was entirely indifferent to shabbiness she had never grown accustomed to vulgarities and that they should be embodied in her adopted sister filled her with a futile wrath stone hurried to his neglected party waving his hand genially he was a very tall loosely built man with a sensuous laughing mouth and an eye that was seldom sober he carried wine in his spirit as well as in his skin and if the latter had bagged a trifle under its burden the spirit was only depressed by the morning headache and few men were more popular no one kept me he demanded as he doubled a huge eastern oyster for the others isabel had ordered the more delicate californian but stone's interior demanded a sterner nourishment isabel you are famous at first it was the men now it is the women too. It was like you dearie to put Isabel opposite that mirror where everybody can see her But in which she looks just one degree further removed from common mortals Takes an artist's wife no use my sister the egopolis must take care of itself The chickens be left to roost alone San Francisco wants you and what she wants she gets What is the matter darling? the corners of his little wife's mouth were down and her chin was trembling you might have paid me one compliment she enunciated between anger and tears good heavens sweetheart you are as familiar to them as Lotus fountain you are an old story and always beautiful he added gallantly but isabel we raise the voluptuous by the score Gwynne. worries to beat the band climate's a regular venus factory but somehow we don't get the classic very often too mixed probably we'll have to wait another generation or two eyes complexions figures ye gods but noses somehow they run to snub still look over there ever see anything more fetching than those great irish eyes in a regular little dago mug she's worth three cold millions and i pine to paint her the price would be a mere detail but to return to isabel she has only to raise her finger to become the rage and i want her to raise it i wonder how much they would care for her if she hadn't been born into one of the sacred old families and hadn't money to boot cried mrs stone exasperated beyond endurance by this triumph of marital tactlessness i'd like to know what chance a poor girl has to turn people's heads tut tut brownie you're jealous "'You know there never was a town where people cared less about money. "'It's just like any other town, only you have silly legends about it that you stick to in the face of facts. "'That day Isabel took me to the St. Francis for lunch, I never saw so many stuck-up-looking girls in my life, "'and they all looked as if they had just sailed out of New York Fashion plates. "'There are only about six really fashionable women here tonight and they only come because they think it's spicy to get so close to real vice without actually touching it for my part i'm sick of the whole bohemian game and i'd like to dine at the st francis or the palace every night she turned to gwynne her eyes flashing dramatically she was tired of being chorus to her popular husband's leading roles and was determined to hold the centre of the stage for gwynne's edification at least they pretend to come here because the dinner is so good, she exclaimed. Good and cheap. But it isn't that a bit with the swells. The women, that is. They just love the idea of doing something almost naughty once in a while in their virtuous lives. When a San Francisco woman is proper, she'll make you really tired with her superior airs and censorious tongue. But there isn't much she doesn't know all the same, and she just revels in venturing this far i don't understand said the bewildered englishman are we dining in a dive not quite but almost cried stone refilling his glass from the large bottle in ice there is only one san francisco we have about six of these french restaurants ever taste anything like these frogs in paris you scarcely ever see anybody in them at this hour with an all-night reputation there are plenty of other resorts a good many of them under the sidewalks, where the dinner is almost as good, but where a man doesn't take his wife. And upstairs, here, and in a few others, well, if a woman is seen entering by the side door, she is done for. But then she isn't usually seen. Lord, if these walls could speak! The divorce mills would explode. The waiters all invest in real estate. Policemen send their daughters to Europe and the boss politicians get rich so fast they spend money almost like a gentleman in the hotels you are all but asked for your marriage license but in what is euphemistically known as the french restaurants well high-toned vice comes high but the town is fairly bursting with accommodations for every purse no town like this he exclaimed gazing into his lifted glass with the accent of deep feeling no town on god's footstool nothing like it wouldn't live anywhere else if you gave me the planet of course i've reformed but then it's the atmosphere not a taint of american puritanism european and something more the wild flavor of a new and unique civilization precious few california men that go to new york to live but are too glad to come back and eastern men like Trenahan, who have had a long taste of it couldn't be paid to live anywhere else "'So, all the legends of San Francisco are true,' said Gwynne, who preferred stone to his wife. "'Couldn't exaggerate if you tried. Wait till I show it to you. No blazed trail or special policeman detailed to protect our precious skulls. I know the ropes, and am not afraid to go anywhere.' "'How do you like your new work?' asked Isabel, hastily, not knowing what he might say next. "'I should fancy that newspaper life would suit you.' does never hit a job i liked as well jolly set of fellows up all night what more could a fellow ask no more aristocracy of art for me i'm neither a peters nor a keith and i wish i'd found it out ten years ago if a man can make a good living what in ah what on earth more can he want in a town that gives him the best things in the world to eat the jolliest all-night life the finest fellows in the world the prettiest women to look at a climate that puts new life into old horses life's a dead easy game out here when you don't develop too much ambition ambition nothing in that Fellows are ingrates and idiots that go off to a cold blooded place like New York with a beastly climate the moment They have made a little mark here no philosophy in ambition only one life Why not enjoy it when your creditors will let you and the money always comes somehow? comes easy goes easy and if we can't all be great we can be happier here than anywhere else on earth here's to san francisco and perdition to him that calls it frisco so you have said good-bye to ambition asked isabel curiously i used to think you had a good deal so i had once i was younger and knew less perhaps if i had ever done anything cleverer than a few dashing skits for the bohemian club and somebody had patted me hard enough on the back i might have made an ass of myself and crossed the continent in the wake of so many that have never been heard of since i don't think you ever gave your creativeness a real chance if you had shut yourself up in the country for a year i should have stayed a week scenery on a drop curtain is all i want of nature no isabel he relapsed into sadness for a moment i have travelled the logical road and simmered down into my place it's just this san francisco breeds all sorts a few are born with a drop of iron in their souls they resist the climate and the enchantment of the easy luxurious semi-idle life you can command out here or next to nothing and clear out and work hard and make little old california famous where they get the iron from god knows it's all electricity with the rest of us there are hundreds of my sort you've seen them at the real bohemian restaurants young men mad with life and the sense of their own powers all of them writing painting composing editing mostly talking then at other tables the old young men who have shrugged their shoulders and simmered down like myself lucky if they haven't taken to drink or drugs to drown regrets still other tables the young old men quite happy and generally drunk Businessmen and some professional are the only ones that forge steadily ahead with precious few exceptions But you don't see them often in the cheap bohemian restaurants which have a glamour for the young and are a financial necessity for the failures Never was such a high percentage of brains in any one city, but they must get out and if they don't go young They don't go at all San Francisco is a disease you can't shake it off and you don't want to to hades with ambition anyhow he cried gayly we can admire one another and we've learned to instead of knocking the life out of everybody else as we did a few years ago now we present the unique spectacle of a city packed to the brim with cleverness and always ready for more we know how to appreciate vive la bagatelle new york why the spirit and brains would be drained out of nine-tenths of us to keep a roof over our heads and nobody knowing we were there no sir no madam the men in this town realize more and more when they are well off and here is one of them and he refilled his glass isabel not knowing that she had been listening to the litany of wasted lives turned in disgust and cast about for an excuse to leave before stone ordered another bottle of champagne she encountered a gleam of amusement in gwynne's eyes and it seemed to transfer her to an empty auditorium while mankind performed its little tricks on the stage for her sole benefit it was a subtle tribute and she blushed under it she was also gratified to observe that paula was boring him but she glanced away lest he should think she had forgiven him at the same moment she saw a young man that had sat with his back to them and opposite the famous Mrs. Hoffer, suddenly pushed back his chair, rise to his feet, and looked sharply at Gwynne. Then he came rapidly down the room, and Gwynne rose and met him, as if lifted to his feet by the hospitality beaming from the large, bright, shrewd, capable face of the Californian. This is Mr. Gwynne. Is it really? he exclaimed, taking the stranger's hand in a large, warm grasp. I am Nicholas Hoffer. Your mother wrote you we have only been back a short time i had intended running up to see you i knew you for a britisher the minute you entered the room but the word was only just passed about who you were do please wave formality and lunch with me at my house tomorrow then we'll motor about a bit and i'll show you something of the city glad the fine weather holds out no denial i expect you and he skilfully took himself off before Gwynne should feel obliged to introduce him to his party now what do you think of that for california manners and the arrogance of the rich demanded paula triumphantly not a bit of it replied stone amiably man was in a hurry can't you see his wife waiting for him never knew a californian to put on airs in my life by this time his optimism was complete only women imagine such things there are as many poor as rich in san francisco society only some of us are too poor and bohemia is better anyway well, let's hit the pike. This room is too hot for my head. End of chapter 20